This is the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, episode number 21. Welcome to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, your source for the latest news on Google for education, tips, tricks, and teaching ideas you can use in class tomorrow. And here are your hosts, Matt Miller from DitchThatTextbook.com and Casey Bell from ShakeUpLearning.com. Okay, we are back, folks. How's it feel to be back, Matt? Oh my goodness, I've missed this so much. Have you? Me too. I really have. I feel like I have gone through Google Teacher Tribe withdrawals. Um, yes. But getting to talk to you, but also, um, you know, people have been reaching out and sending us lots of love. Thank you. And wanting to know when we were going to start season two. So I am super excited to kick off season two of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. So, um, we took about three months off and, you know, we debated on whether we were going to take a break, but I think it was much needed. I think you and I had some crazy summer stuff going on. Yes, yes. There was there was lots of craziness. We both did get to, to talk to lots of teachers over the summer in various places, kind of all over the United States, which is, is exciting and is a privilege. Um, so most of those things went exactly as they were planned, but every once in a while, they didn't go totally to plan um like for instance one time when i was i was doing this big like tour of of uh texas and so on a wednesday thursday and a friday i was in three different places in texas and so here i am driving to one of these places and all of a sudden i look up and i realize that i'm way off the course on my map you know google maps is like totally infallible right right (laughs) and so Uh. i get yeah, I get back on track and here I'm driving and it says, welcome to Texas. And I was like, what do you mean? Welcome to Texas. I've been in Texas. And I looked down and somehow I accidentally drove to New Mexico. <laughs> there I was in New Mexico. Hadn't planned it. Now, I had never been to New Mexico before, so I can check that one off of my state's visited list now. But that was definitely not part of the plan. So then, of course, I had to text Casey and let her know, hey, guess what? Here I am in Texas, but I was just in New Mexico, and I didn't expect that. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. So uh, where did you start off? From? You were in West Texas somewhere, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I started in Oklahoma on a Tuesday, and I'm driving from Oklahoma into West Texas on Wednesday. And so that Tuesday night was when I drove into to New Mexico. And then I went into more central Texas and then ended up down near Houston. So it was a great big old circuitous route all through Texas. I saw lots of the Texas countryside. You saw a lot of flat Texas. <laughs> yes, saw, I did. <laughs> you yes. saw a lot of flat, flat space out yes. in West Texas. Yes. Um, Texas is is gigantic and um you can you can drive and drive and drive and never leave the state but apparently matt (laughs) matt took a little detour and decided to check off new mexico um i (laughs) i had a similar experience um with the the gps situation because i was in nebraska a couple months ago and google maps says 
the the airport in Omaha is actually not in Nebraska. It's like in. Uh, are you talking about Epley Airfield in Omaha, Nebraska? Yeah. Council Council Bluffs, Iowa, is like the sister city to Omaha, Nebraska. Okay, maybe I shouldn't have told that story, but it just kind of occurred to me as you were telling me that the mm-hmm. GPS thing, like as you're driving, like that little signal. So I was leaving mm-hmm. Omaha Airport. I was driving yeah. to Lincoln and it says, Welcome to Iowa. <laughs> <And I was laughs> like, I'm not supposed to be in Iowa. What? Uh-huh. And then, yeah. then I, I realized, and then uh, like a couple minutes later, it welcomed me back to Nebraska. So it, oh, was, yeah. it was one of those situations. And, um yeah anyway so yeah. okay so yes uh texas is gigantic and uh you you can drive out west you can drive up north you can go way down south and um i think everybody knows that our friends down south desperately need uh, your thoughts, your prayers, your help, anything that you can do. So we wanted to be sure and give a shout out and give some love to all of those who have been affected in Southeast Texas and in Louisiana um, by Hurricane Harvey. And I know that there are tons of projects that are popping up all over the place to adopt classrooms and adopt schools. I'm adding um, some links to the show notes. So if you're interested on ways that you can help Um, Not only with donations, but also if you're interested in sort of connecting and finding out about some of these adopting um, classroom projects. I think this is a a fantastic show of support. Um, I, as a Texan, have been in tears uh, over and over and over again um, watching my my fellow Texans suffer. I have been safe in North Texas, and a lot of you have asked about me, and I appreciate that, um, but it is still just been gut-wrenching. And let me tell you, you think Texans have a lot of pride? <laughs> you have no idea. This is, this is going to be um, an amazing comeback. I have never seen um, anything like this in my life, and and it's just been so touching to watch how giving everybody has been, and especially the educational community reaching out to each other. And so um, kudos to educators out there who are doing their part. You know, I think... um, in general, we are a, a very giving community, but, but thank you. And, and please, please um, just, just keep all of those victims in your thoughts and prayers and anything that you can do to help. Ever since I've gotten into education, that's one thing that has blown me away about educators in general is that they, they have some of the biggest hearts of anybody that I know. And, you know, just the ability to raise money and to do donations and just how good educators are at loving on each other in times of need. Um, I think it comes out of loving kids first, you know, and it really has warmed my heart to see how people have, have really stepped up and come to the need of other people. So so if you if you haven't had a chance to or if you're still looking for ways to give back, there's still plenty of unmet needs out there and um, really interesting interested to see, you know, just how, how this all turns out. And I know that, that educators can do a, a big, a big thing in all of that. We will definitely turn this into a positive down here in Texas. So um, without further ado, Matt, what is in this episode? 
Well, let me tell you, over the summer, there have been all sorts of changes to Google Classroom. Really, there's been all sorts of changes to a lot of the Google tools, but we wanted to focus in on a handful of the ones that are new to Google Classroom, including one of them where Casey and I were at sort of like a meeting for uh, new features in Google Classroom, and the whole room cheered when one of these was announced. So you'll have to see what that one is coming up. But of course, we also have some other news and updates, like a whole summer's worth of them. We've got great feedback from our listeners and some blog posts. So Casey, what do you say we get to it? Let's get started. Okay, we have some Google news and updates to share. In fact, that is pretty much the meat and potatoes of today's episode. And um, even though we are going to focus a lot on some of the updates we got to Google Classroom, we got a few other pretty awesome things to talk about um, over the summer. So one of those was Google announced, um, it's called the first day of classroom, and it's inside the Google for Education Training Center. And this is basically a training page for all things Google Classroom. And it starts out with the basics. There are um, video tutorials on how to get set up, assign and grade work. And then they've got what they call the teacher's lounge. And so these are videos from all kinds of people that you may or may not know. Um, we've got, I think, some Alice Keeler in there. And there, there are others that are going to be added soon. Um, but lots of tips and tricks um, tutorials in here. And then they've got these handy guide. So they've got some PDF downloads completely free, getting started with Google Classroom, Google Classroom tips, and a teacher-led group study guide. And then there's also a link so that you can um, join some live training sessions that they do. Um, I believe these are all done with the, the YouTube live feature there. So um, so lots of great free resources, I think, especially right now for beginners, but I think there's some um, definitely some great tips in there for the more advanced users as well. Yeah. And I know Casey and I, whenever we publish blog posts about Google Classroom, it's like teachers can't get enough of it, you know. So um, really anything that's out there that Google throws us a lot of times is is high interest. So, yeah, these are these are definitely some some videos and some guides that you'll want to take a look at. Now, another thing that that we noticed that um, that has come across on on new Google features has to do with version control in Docs. And so what we're seeing here is that now we have this ability to kind of like change the to be able to track the changes in docs, which we've always been able to do, but in kind of a different way. So there are a couple of new features and. You know, this is from from a, a blog post that has several things, but a couple of things that really caught my eye were that now we can name versions of a doc sheet or a slide. And so here's what I mean by that, that you can you can check the revision history. So if it's under the file menu or if you click the little link that says all changes saved and drive, you can see the revision history and you can see all of the changes that have been made. And in the past, what it's always been is you just see what time those changes were made, the time and the date, and that's it. But now we've got the ability to actually name those versions. So I'm thinking of like a student that's working on a research paper and the beginning of the it is the really rough draft and then 
um, you know, after that, it's the the draft with some edits done to it, and then there's the final draft. And instead of having different versions of it or just trying to guess where it was, now they're able to flip back and look at those named versions and see, you know, specifically what changes were made at those different points. So this is this is a whole different side of organizing a document that I never would have expected that that Google has uh, released. And then it's also got an ability to preview clean versions of docs. So if you do the suggested edits where people can suggest things and then you can either accept them or reject them, now you can see a clean version to see what it would look like without any of the comments and without any of the suggested edits. So if you want to kind of flip back and see what it looked like before, now that's available. And so I think for people that do a lot of revising to documents, these are going to be some really nice features. Absolutely. As a former writing teacher and someone who spends a lot of time writing in docs, I love the ability to name the versions. I feel like that makes the version control make more sense, too. A lot of people really couldn't wrap their head around just the revision history because it's you could really kind of get lost sometimes in the revision history. And I found a use for this almost the day that it came out. I was like working on a project and um, I am completely shifting gears. I've changed my mind. I want to completely rewrite the whole thing. But instead of just making a copy, because I didn't really want to lose my thoughts, you know, in case I wanted to go back to it, I just named the version. So, you know, as as I go through it, that way, I could always go back to see where I was in that project at that point in time. So I think it's a very powerful tool. Yes, yes, absolutely. And speaking of powerful tools, uh, Google has also released this other tool that we can use to to have digital citizenship conversations with kids. Um, it's got all of these great resources, and it's this initiative that they're calling Be Internet Awesome, helping kids make smart decisions online. And so, you know, I know as a parent that that's something that's top of mind with me is, um, you know, making sure that kids are safe online and that they're handling themselves in the right way. And so basically what Google has done is created all of these resources to encourage digital safety and citizenship. And they're all kind of like, focused around these main themes of be internet smart, share with care, and be internet alert, don't fall for fake, be internet strong, secure your secrets, and so on and so forth. And what I love about it is that it's kind of a multi-pronged approach because you've got these games and these other resources for kids. Um, like it says in this imaginary world of four lands, kids come back hackers and fishers and oversharers and bullies. So they're actually kind of like taking on those issues that they take on in real life within the game. Um, they've got curricula for educators. They've even got like conversation starters and ways to talk to kids about some of these difficult topics for parents and guardians. So really, I think this is a nice, um, you know, sort of like complete resource of all these different things that different groups can use to help kids be safer and just just better citizens online. Right. And, and the, the resources there are so engaging the games that they have. They're great 
peace for the student. But, you know, as teachers, it's hard to know what we need to be teaching in the classroom as well. And those teachable moments to help our students become better digital citizens. And Google has an answer for that as well. So inside the training center, there is now digital citizenship training for teachers that is completely free. And um, you can ask, access that through the Google for Education Training Center as well. The Google Teacher Tribe podcast is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. The Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. For more great education podcasts, go to edupodcastnetwork.com. So with the beginning of the new school year, there are a couple of things that you can expect. And one of those is that there will be some new changes released by Google for Google Classroom. And I think ever since Google Classroom was released a few years ago, this is something that we all have kind of come to expect is that Google's going to give us some new stuff to kick off our school year. And this year, there were a handful of some really cool changes that Google made that are going to really help us out in the classroom. Some are little bitty tweaks that aren't going to be huge, huge game changers, but are things that teachers have really been begging for. One thing that's a bigger thing that Google released this summer is that it is possible for us as teachers to be able to view one student's entire work all on one page. Hooray! I know, right? Exactly. (laughs) It's like we used to have to bounce around from assignment to assignment and look at students' work. And I mean, there was just no easy way to see everything that a kid needs. So if a student comes up to you and says, hey, what am I missing? You've got to kind of like bounce around and, and look in different spots. And now you can pull up that one student's page and be able to see what's turned in, what's been returned to them, what the grade is. And it's all sort of like aggregated all in one spot. And I know teachers have been begging, begging, begging for something like this. And they have also been begging for this other feature that we finally got, and that is the ability to reorder the tiles on your classroom homepage. Hallelujah. Thank you. Yes, it is huge. And it sounds like something so simple. If you haven't been using classroom for very long, you're like, what? That's not a big deal. But um, we've pretty much been telling teachers to create their classes in the reverse order that they want them because um, you would create them class period by class period and then they would be backwards. And so it was it just drives teachers crazy. Teachers are very organized people. We have to be organized people. And this has just (laughs) been one of those things that we have been begging for. So thank you, Google. Yeah. In fact, this was the thing that I teased early on where Casey and I were at a, a meeting about Google, new Google. Google features uh, this summer, and they were releasing and announcing some of them to us. And this was the one that easily got the biggest cheers out of the entire group. And it kind of makes me laugh. It's like us teachers are sometimes so geeky that something like moving tiles around in Google Classroom gets us all excited. Um, So that one was a big one. There's another one that's little that has also been really, really nice. And now... And this fits well with the beginning of the school year. But of course, if you've already started creating your classes in Google Classroom, if this is already done, then hopefully you've found this one. And that is that now we're able to take the class code that students type in to join our Google Classroom. 
we can take that class code and now display it in full screen just with a click of the of the button. So whereas before one of my workarounds was just to zoom in on my web browser really, really big so that kids were able to see it or just repeat it over and over again. Now we can just click that full screen option and it takes that class code and it makes it makes it really big in front of the class. It's all about making the life of a teacher easier, right? <laughs> yes, it is. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, another thing that, that kind of drives teachers crazy are the notifications. They are a necessary evil and they can fill up your inbox and, and give you some some crazy numbers when you're looking at how many inbox messages you have. But um, they have given us more control over which email notifications we receive from Google Classroom. So I'm going to include a screen screenshot in our show notes so you can see just how granular you can be and turn on just what you want. It is it is a very fine feature that they have added there. And I love how you can get real specific with your email notifications by opening it up in a web browser. But then even if you use the Google Classroom mobile app, if you open up the settings there, you can change which settings your mobile app sends you to. So it gets real specific down to the little detail. Um, so yeah, I, I love that that change. I think that's something that, that we've been begging to have too. Now, if you want to get a little more specific on those notifications and how you can, you know, really manage and own those notifications and make them work for you, I just did uh, recently publish a post on uh, the Ditch That Textbook blog, ditchthattextbook.com, that digs really in depth into how you can make those notifications work and gives you some suggestions and some ideas for, you know, choosing the right kinds of notifications if you should use email or mobile or both or whatever. So, you know, if Feel free to, we'll have a link in the show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 21, where you can find the link and you can go dig into those notifications. And Matt, I think that we also had a question from one of our listeners about the Google Classroom notifications. So I think we've got a great little segue here. This entire episode could have just been um, what we've received over the summer. Thank you so oh, yeah. much for reaching out and sharing um, what you're doing, what you're what you're you're preparing for in your classrooms, and um, leaving us some speak pipe messages too. So we do have one here um, that is about the Google Classroom notifications. Yeah. So Miriam Bart asks us a question about those. So let's let's go ahead and let Miriam take it. Hey, this is Miriam recent. Google Teacher Tribe listener and big, big fan. I was wondering if there's a way to turn off notifications in classrooms so I don't get 100 emails when kids comment or post or turn things in late. Thanks. All right. So Miriam, we did just talk about how you can, you can change those notifications. And just recently, Google has, has made some of this possible. So, you know, that's where you're going to click on your little menu button and go down to the settings. And then that's where you can change a lot of those notifications. So that's the easy answer to your question. Now, let me throw a whole other side of this on you. And that is, what if you want to get those email notifications and you want to have them in your email? but you just don't want to turn them off. 
You just don't want them to show up in your inbox all the time. And so there's an easy way to take care of that too, and that is to create a filter. And so if you're going to do that, the easiest way to do that is to click the little settings cog in your Gmail and then click on the settings option. And now you're actually editing the Gmail settings. And there's a, a section called filters and blocked addresses. And so if you do that and click on the option that says create a new filter. Now, basically what that will do is you specify the kinds of messages that you want to filter And then you specify what kind of action you want Gmail to take on it. So you could specify just the emails from Google Classroom are what you want to filter. And then whenever they come in, you could have them go directly into a label for all of your Google Classroom messages. So basically, if you want to hang on to all of those Google Classroom email notifications, but you don't want them to hit your inbox, use a filter and it's going to stick them straight into that label right away. So that's something that you might want to check out. Great idea. I love that. Yeah. So sometimes there are things you want to see or be able to go back to and you just don't want it taking up all that space at the top of your inbox, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Our second question comes from Amy Diamond. And so she was telling us in an email that she has some teachers who are looking to make their their slides and their Google slide presentations just a little bit more attractive, you know, in design and fonts and all of that. And so I know that there are lots of options to be able to do that. Casey, what do you suggest? I get this question a lot about the fonts. Some people are some font snobs. And let me tell you, I kind of I kind of lean that way myself. But um, and this goes not just for slides, but in in doc sheets, etc. If you go to the, the fonts in the toolbar and go all the way down to the bottom where it says more fonts, you can actually add um, there are hundreds of other fonts that you can add. So Google works with um, web fonts. So they're not exactly the same kind of font that you upload and and put into Office and Keynote and things like that. But you can find um, a lot of great fonts to to sort of spice things up if you're tired of looking at those same fonts over and over again like I am. The other side of things in terms of making more um, attractive slides, I want to mention the Explore option that is now available inside Google Slides. And if you go to the bottom right corner, you'll see the little Explore button. And you can um, open that up and it will make suggestions not only for content, but how to adjust your slides so that they look more professional. And it's it's kind of crazy how clean and professional and easy this is. And then on the other side of things are the the templates and themes that you use. So um, there are um, things like Slides Carnival that have tons of beautiful professional um, themes that you can use. And I, I've included a link in the show notes. I did a, a blog post on, on some of these ideas here, but um, I know there are just tons of ways that you can really up your game in terms of presentations and just make them look more attractive and professional. And that's definitely a communication skill that we need to be teaching our students. Yeah, absolutely. It's something that, that kind of crosses over to everybody. And it's one of those life skills, I think. So so yeah, that's a, that's a good one. And then we also had a, a sort of like a, a message, a, a suggestion from someone about an add-on to Docs, right? 
Yes, we had a a little tip from Lisa Bird, and she told us about an add-on called Doc Secrets. And um, let me tell you, this is a pretty fascinating little add-on. This is allows you to hide and encrypt certain pieces within your document. And you, we're going to have to include a screenshot because I don't think we can explain this in the way that everybody can understand. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking, like, how how do you actually see this? But uh, this is something that you can do to help sort of hide some things until you are ready to reveal them to your students. How do you think um, some teachers might be using this, Matt? They could, they could show a document with some information in it and then see if kids were able to figure out what's hidden behind it. Um, you know, I could even see it as, I don't know if you could do kind of like a Mad Libs type thing with it. I, I don't know, but... Yeah, I, I think there there's definitely some some options. Oh, and I have to tell you, as you were you were <laughs> leading into this, you said there was a little tip from Lisa Bird, and in my mind, all of a sudden, I heard a little bird told me because little tip from Lisa Bird. <laughs> see, see what I just did there. Little Lisa Bird told me. Yes, yes, exactly. That's right. Oh, yeah. Doc well, Secrets. Yeah, sorry. Yes, go check it out in, um, if you go in Google Docs to add-ons and then go to get add-ons, you will be able to search for it and find it and check it out. Yeah. And if you have a question for us or a if you're a little bird that wants to tell us something about Google, then definitely go to googleteachertribe.com and either leave us a little voice message with um, SpeakPipe or leave us a question through our contact form and you may be on the next episode. All right. So it's time to hit the blogs. And I've got a post that... I've seen for a little while now, it actually got published in July, but it's one that I really liked. And it's from a guy named Sean Fahey. Uh, Sean is a fellow Hoosier like me. Actually, Sean used to teach in my same school district for like one year. Um, but he's doing some really neat things with Google Apps in his classroom. He's been a, a sort of like a later elementary teacher who's now uh, moving into a middle school math position. And anyway, Sean recently wrote this post called The HyperDoc Effect. Seven Ways Using Hyperdocs Has Changed My Classroom. And so if you're kind of interested in this whole idea of what are hyperdocs and how can they really change your classroom, Sean has some really good ideas. And so he started using hyperdocs to deliver content, to promote, you know, independent and collaborative learning and get more time for individual and small group instruction with, with him. And these were some of the things that were starting to happen. And he started to notice that, um, you know, for instance, it was a way to keep students engaged in their learning. Uh, it fostered collaboration among students. He became a classroom facilitator instead of just like leading the the discussion with an iron fist. Differentiation was made easier. These are some of the things that Sean digs into in depth. So if you're kind of wondering, I don't know if this whole hyperdox thing is for me, this is a really neat post that digs into the benefits. So this is this is what you'll see if you start digging into these hyperdocs. So there's a, a link to that post, of course, in our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 21. Yes, definitely check that out and follow Sean on Twitter. He shares some some great uh, tips and ideas for the classroom. So, um, and thank you, Sean, for being a member of our tribe. So I have a post that I'm going to share about using Android apps on a Chromebook. So um, this ties back to some earlier episodes when uh, we were talking about this and the 
possibilities that this is going to bring when you combine it with the new Chromebooks that we're seeing. So I just bought the Samsung Pro and I'm full disclosure I I bought it. Samsung did not give it to me. This is not a sponsored post or anything, (laughs) Um, but it's the flip Chromebook and it has a stylus and it's pretty slick. Um, So I I bought it and I knew that it is one of the, the, the devices that is compatible with the new beta feature of being able to use Android apps on a Chromebook. So I started playing around and put together this blog post kind of showing the things that are working, the things that are still a little glitchy. It is still in beta and shared um, some of the applications that are worth a try on a Chromebook because we all know that some of our favorite apps on mobile can do some things that we can't do on desktop. So um, adding the camera and the ability to sketch with a stylus on a tablet style um, Chromebook is is really going to help us bridge that gap. I think that we are getting the best of both worlds now from that decision. Oh, do we go iPad versus Chromebook? Um, that sort of thing. So I have detailed all of this in here. This is not something that's available on every device yet, um, and it doesn't work with every account. So if your if your G Suite administrators have not given you the ability to turn this on, even if your device can do it. Um, so there's a few little catches here. It's still very new, um, but I am super excited <laughs> to see where this takes us. So so be sure that you check that out. There's some great features inside Google Classroom that we can only do on mobile, Keep and um, and Expeditions, etc. So yeah, that's a that's sort of a big deal to be able to use these these Android apps, and I've even gotten to try them on a touchscreen Chromebook too. Uh, being a, a bit of a, a sketcher and a digital doodler, there's nothing that's totally compared to sketching on an iPad. But I was able to get the Adobe Draw app on a Chromebook and try it. And you know, for what it is, you know, being still in beta and still being kind of glitchy and and not really being totally made for that, it kept up decently well. So I thought, you know, it's, it's not, it's not the like ideal best case scenario, but you are able to do it. And so I, I, I'm with you. I think that it'll just continue to get better. Um, you need to try the sketchbook one because I'll tell you, and I wrote about this in the post, but the Adobe one couldn't keep up. Um, Mm -hmm, the response mm -hmm. on my Chromebook was the same thing. Like it was like, there was like a delay. Um, but I think that's also because everything hasn't quite been optimized yet. Right, right. But um, I think you would love the the sketchbook one that's created by Autodesk. It's pretty awesome. So I don't know if you tried that. I was just seeing that in your post. I'm thinking I'm going to have to go download that like right after we get. Yeah. So um, I, without me getting too far off topic, it's pretty awesome. I even sketched something. So Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Only it was so glitchy. I couldn't take a screenshot. Because every time I had to flip it over to take the screenshot, I wouldn't work anymore. Oh, man. So, again, it's in beta. (laughs) All right. So um, I think that wraps up our first episode of season two. We're finally back. We got one in the can and we are ready to get back on a schedule and get back into the swing of things, I think. 
We are. We are, we are excited. There, there's so much to share from the things that we've learned over the summer, but we yes. also want to hear from you. What would you like to hear in season two? What guests would you like to hear from in season two? So um, we definitely want to keep the communication lines going. Um, you can reach us on Twitter. Um, and you can use the hashtag GT Tribe. Uh, we are also on Facebook. And please visit the website, googleteachertribe.com. Yeah, so we're, that'll wrap things up for this episode. And we're looking forward to see you on the very next episode. We'll see you then. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and by visiting googleteachertribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power. And may the Googles be with you. So waiting for one of those. Running out of words. Okay. (laughs) That's okay. Here we go. Take three. We don't have to start right away, but it's recording now. Hey, Chris. Long time. No. Hey, Chris. Yeah. We're going to give you all kinds of things that you need to edit in this episode. (laughs) We're so out of practice. Yep. So enjoy that. What happens in the Google Teacher Tribe outtakes stays in the Google Teacher Tribe outtakes. Casey, how long are we going to do this podcast? Forever. Forever. Probably longer than that.